All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just after 4 o'clock, how are you? Welcome back to the uh, third Wednesday edition of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live. Oilers Nation YouTube, as always, presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca. And coming to you live from the E-Well studio, E-W-E-L.ca. Hey, trust me, they'll uh, add a little juice to the show. For all your electrical needs, think E-Well, E-W-E-L.ca. And uh, like you, they are massive, massive sports fans and... Uh, they're uh, hoping the uh, orders can maybe get on a run here. We will uh, we will see if they're uh, if they're ready to get on a winning streak. Now, let's uh, let's talk a little hockey. Uh, by the way, a uh, big thanks again to um, Randy Spencer for coming in the studio. Uh, really good insight. Uh, love the passion from uh, Randy. You can see why he's a success, successful player. Uh, love his insight and how he explained the big challenge of just you know being so passionate about something and then trying to find that same passion post-career it's a uh, it's different uh no question about it uh let's get around the nhl now brought to you by mcdonald's what's better than getting mcmuffin and a medium premium roast coffee well how about getting both for only four bucks right now mcmuffin medium roast coffee four dollars only at mcdonald's start your day right Mike Rupp, former NHLer, ace analyst on the NHL Network, is also color analyst for the Pittsburgh Penguins, former two-time Stanley Cup champion. Joins us, Rupper. How you doing? I'm good. What's going on today? Oh, there's lots happening, man. Hey, we got our technical issues fixed, so that's great. We can hear you uh, online now. I can see you. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, 
Uh, what is going on, Rupper, is unfortunately I am, uh, and, and you as a, as a follically challenged uh, gentleman like myself who uh, prefers to just look good without hair, um, mine has to start growing out for the first time in, in 21 years, and it's going to look awful. So I'm wondering, do you have any advice on the best way to wear the Costanza? Uh, I have no advice on how to wear it, but I can't wait to see it. That's going to be incredible. Um, no, no, it yeah, isn't. I guess just just own it, just yeah. own it, man. Yeah. Well, you just like, own it, and then that's half the battle. I, yeah, hey, uh, fake it till you make it is what you're saying. Okay, uh, I like that idea. Um, are you? What about the Washington Capitals? Are they faking it? Or is this legit? What is going on here? I literally watched. I don't know what the number was. Their, their start of the season, like. I'm just going to be frank. It's dunk. Like, I was like, this team is awful. <laughs> I was watching their games. I'm like, this is really bad. Like, they look very, very bad. Yeah. And then what are they now? 7-1-1 one, and one in their last nine. Um, now I'm starting to be like, all right, are these guys for real? And, and, and here's why I think this is sustainable to some degree. Ovi is on pace right now for 25 goals. Yeah. Okay. He ain't going to get 25 goals. He's going to get more than that. If he's healthy, he's, you know, he's still going to be pushing it. We know this guy can get hot. Um, but he's on pace for 25 right now. T.J. Oshie has one assist, and that's his only point, in 14 games. They're without Nick Backstrom, and their power play is at 8% over the last however many games. And that's yeah. been when they're winning. It was actually yeah. worse when they were losing. With all that being said, they're 7-1-1 in the last nine. So they're getting good goaltending, but it makes me think. I don't know. I'm always, you could argue it both sides of it, but I always think when you're winning, despite all of these things not going for you, that's a good sign for your hockey club. They're finding ways to win, they're getting points. I think this might be a playoff team this year. Well, you know what? Good for them. I, I give them because I, I don't know if anybody picked the Capitals to be a playoff team this year. I, I I went back and I was looking at some prognostications, and you know, obviously, I made quite a few uh, errors that, that don't look good. Like Boston, I thought wasn't going to be a playoff team. What an idiot uh, on that one! So, but uh, nobody had the Capitals, and I know they had a lot of injuries last season. But you know, ah, geez, they're getting older, and then Backstrom goes down. And it hasn't impacted them at all. And as you mentioned, it's not like Ovi's carrying them. He's on some ridiculous pace, right? Oshie hasn't done much. And I'm not saying he's going to be a 60-point guy, but he's going to be more than a one-assist guy, as you said. And their power play can't be that bad uh, this long. Um, The only concern is, like, what did you think of that hit on Kuznetsov last night? The hit on Kuzi? Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, I don't know. I'm not... I don't know. I always find that these these are the, these types of hits. You're talking that was the one that went up high on Kuzi, right? Yes. Yeah, hit him right in the head. Hit him right in the head. Yeah. I mean, it's we don't want those. You want to get rid of those. Um, it's. I feel like the drive-by clippings are the thing that you want to get rid of. If you're going to hit a guy. Go through his body, and and I actually think that what we've seen over the last few years, as far as department player safety too, it's like I think that that whole point of emphasis we used to always say principal point of contact, and, and a lot of the terminology I think we use, even as analysts and fans use, is not what they use still now. Okay, uh, it's changed, it's evolved. If you go through a guy's body and you have incidental head contact. You can get like sometimes you get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. But when you when you're gonna when there's 
that's the tough part because when you're going to go hit a guy, we're always taught we see it every night in the, in the game, I feel like. I'm taking an angle to cut off where you're going. and But by doing that, and if a guy tries to avoid a hit, and, and that's not talking necessarily this Kuznets have one, you're going to get a piece of him. When you get a piece of him, that's where there's a problem, right? So, yeah, on any kind of drive-bys, clippings, is where you're going to get in trouble. Mike Rupp joins us uh, from the NHL Network. Uh, Rupper, I want to get your thoughts um, here in Edmonton, of course, some significant changes over the weekend. They get rid of uh, Dave Manson and head coach Jay Woodcroft. They bring in Chris Knobloch and, and Paul Coffey, who who does have one year of uh, junior A coaching experience, uh, not a lot. And I'm, I'm still not sold on how long he's going to be here as an assistant. He's also an advisor to the owner, which is, uh, I think, first time in NHL history. They got an assistant coach who's an advisor. What would you make of the move? And uh, what do you make of the whole situation surrounding the orders right now? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that Jay Woodcroft is uh, um, a bad coach. I think everything we heard out there, Connor said that you know he didn't lose the room. Uh, I think he's a good coach. He's going to get picked up again somewhere else. It's just in our sport and in pro sports. Sometimes you just get to this point where it feels like what, what can give, and usually it's the coach's job, and it's unfortunate. Um, so, you know, you see this happen. I, I don't think that this team is – they're not dead yet. You know what I mean? Like, they're not. It's There's still plenty of time. I don't think that they've dug themselves a hole that they cannot get out of, but it's going to be kind of chipping away at this, right? And, um, you know, you usually get a bump with a new coach, and uh, I think this is a – I think the other night, Leon Dreisaitl looked like he was on a mission in that game. He looked great. Did a night, I did a breakdown on him yesterday. Like, just – I mean, not just when he had the puck. Like, to get the puck. Like, he was on a mission, right? So, um, with the, the star power there, it's just about just cleaning areas of the game up, not shooting yourself in the foot. And let's just take it as, as cliche as it is, one game at a time. And, and then the best thing about, I think, the, the division and that conference, for that matter, nobody's really running away with anything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you got yeah. a couple top-end teams that they're good to go, but it's an absolute dogfight for everybody else. You say the same thing with the Central Division. I mean, right now, I was saying the biggest staples are Dallas and Colorado. Dallas is the only staple right now. You've got Colorado, Winnipeg, Nashville, you know, uh, Arizona, uh, St. Louis. I mean, you go on. it's all up for grabs. Like we're we're not even twenty games in. Like it's it, there's still a lot of road left. Same thing in that in that Pacific. So um, yeah, just keep picking away at it. Um, you got to get better goaltending, and uh, if they do, I think that this team will be able to to battle their way back into that playoff picture. The Anaheim Ducks are a team that's you know what I think like Washington. Uh, they are surprising a lot of people early on. Uh, they, they being the comeback kids, some will say, okay, it's not sustainable. You can't keep having two goal, uh, you know, comebacks in the third period, but that's what they're doing. The interesting thing is though, they've done it without Trevor's egress. He's basically, you know, he, he, well, he's kind of being a passenger offensively right now. He's banged up, but what do you make of just what Cronin's done early on in Anaheim? And, you know, like the addition of Radko Gudis really yeah. seems to have been a huge addition for that team. I agree. I think uh, Gudis has been great. Um, you talk about just 
you know, I know Alex Kalorn was dinged up and he's getting back in too. So I think that they, they, they're going to need to rely and lean on some of these guys who've been around for a while. And, and, uh, you got Ryan Strom, uh, but these young kids, man, they're fun. They're so fun to watch. I did a, I looked at a goal the other night. I think it was, I think it was against, uh, geez, I was it against San Jose, but anyways, uh, I'm watching this play and it starts with, it starts with that uh, Mitnikov. And yeah. so here you go. You got a 19-year-old kid who passes it to Mason McTavish, a 20-year-old kid who passes it to Leo Carlson, an 18-year-old who puts it back to the 19-year-old and they score, made it look so easy. And I'm like, this team is loaded. And that doesn't even get into Frankie Vitrano, what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, they're fun to watch. I think we're getting to the point now where I think out east here a lot of times, we always talk about the East Coast bias. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers over the last number of years, it's like must-watch TV because of the obvious. Connor and Leon, what was going on out there. Um, but there's a lot of teams that people in the East don't pay attention to. I would say, uh, and I have been saying to the, the, the East Coast NHL fans, start paying attention to the Anaheim Ducks. And you know what? Start paying attention to the, the Arizona Coyotes, too. Like They're so fun. Like they, they, They're fun. They're super talented. They're trying to figure this out on the fly. And right now... They're coming back in games at a, at a record pace. Uh, we just saw it today was that they set an NHL record for most comeback wins um, through the first 15 games of a, of a season. Uh, that's not always the recipe for good sustaining success, but they're doing it right now, and they're fun to watch. And Mason McTavish is just an absolute stud in the way uh, the way he kind of leads this team as a as a 20-year-old. Well, you know, I've been really impressed. Uh, you know, Cronin's a guy who's paid his dues for a long time in the minors. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were wondering, what's Pat Verbeek doing here? Well, clearly it looks like the, the right decision. <clears throat> you know, he's got that team. They compete hard. Like, they don't give up. And sometimes that can be that can be a really infectious trait, right? Like, they yeah. they believe they're never out of it. And the coach doesn't give him an excuse to ever think they're out of it. Now, obviously, the coach will be the first to tell you we don't want to be down two goals as often as they are and then have to come back. Yeah. But, you know, give them credit. I also think, you know, it's a good sign of today's game, Rupper, that, you know what, it used to be if you were down two goals, like, good night, in the era that you played, you're like, oh, we got a two-goal lead? Let's go get a coffee. This game is over, yeah. right? And thankfully, yeah. it's not that way anymore. And I think the Ducks, a young team, you know what, I don't know if they're a playoff team yet. It's really too early, but they're at least a competitive team, way more competitive than I thought they'd be and um you know leo carlson like as much as excitement about bedard and we'll get to him in a second but man the more i watch this leo carlson kid god he's impressive yes he is so impressive and uh i think bedard's really picked it up as of late and 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 uh but then there's that answer like carlson will pick it up and he'll do some crazy things too and then and i'm watching that pens game last night and Watching Fantilli out there. I like the way he, yeah. what he brings to the table, too. I mean, we've got a really talented top end of that draft that's, uh, they're, they're getting it done here. And, um, you know, Leo Carlson is, uh, a very unique one. And you talk about Greg Cronin and whoever's idea this was with, with Verbeek and Cronin. I think we talked about it earlier how they're going with a little bit of a work rest ratio with Carlson this year. And, I think the uh, traditionalist in me is like, what is this? This is dumb. I've never seen this before. And like, uh, we, we just have never seen it. But whatever they're doing, it's working. And I think this is the long game, the long yeah. play. It is make this kid comfortable, the more comfortable. He's looking pretty uncomfortable. 
take it slow. This is this is about a, the next 15 years. Like, honestly, that's the way I think that they're looking at it. And I think that's a really bright way of looking at it. Let's not rush anything here. Let's keep uh, – because the other part, too, they want to put weight on them. They want them to get stronger. And just over the course of an NHL season, you can't do that. You can't – if you're playing every night, you, you can't you, – I've gone into training camp. I, I, I still remember this distinctly. You come into camp and you see somebody after the summer – and you're like, whoa, that guy worked hard this summer. Like, he's jacked. Like, he's ready to go. Like, he looks like he put on 10 pounds of muscle, nice and lean, whatever. By the end of the season, we all look like we we look like we've been sick for months, right? Like, we have drawn faces, like, lose all that weight. Like, it's – I think that you can't sustain the weight. You can't sustain muscle mass. So, if it's taking the – making the kid get some more workouts in that it won't allow him to play – as weird as it is, it seems to be working, and uh, I know he's been playing a lot more consistently lately, but it'll be something to monitor as the season goes on. And uh, one last one for you, Rupper. Where do you come out on the conversations of uh, potentially, you know, eliminating uh, over and back when it comes to three-on-three, three, where, you know, you cross center once you're in the offensive zone. Obviously, you can leave, uh, but you can't go back across center and regroup. Good or bad idea? I don't, I don't love it, but I don't know if I have another idea that's better. Uh, you know, anything, anything we're doing here is kind of like reinventing it yeah. in some degree. Um, I, the one suggestion I had, and this is this is interesting for me because I thought of it. Of course, is I think it's interesting. Or I wouldn't say it, uh, but people might think it's dumb. But it, it's a stretch too. But just like a coach will turn in the shootout list to the referees, right? Like you get three players that you're going to choose, and after that, you know, it's you're just picking as you go along. What if in overtime we keep it the same format it is, three on three, five minutes, but you have to submit players, the only players that are allowed to be on the ice. So I don't know what that number is. Maybe it's five forwards and three defensemen. Those are your guys. So a lot of times in overtime you'll have a defensive shutdown player. So I'm sure you see that all the time with Edmonton. Yeah. So if, if Connor's out there, we're going to put this guy out here literally to not let Connor end the game. But – He's not going to be able to probably end the game. We're just going to buy that next shift. I don't want to see that. We want to see excitement. So if you want to go skill versus skill, these guys are going to be taking chances. It's a little bit of a, a power flex for that. If you want to, um, if you want to put a defensive shutdown guy out there, so be it. Uh, you, you don't have many other options than winning this game. I, I think it would limit. Uh, you guys would be a little more tired too. Um, I think maybe it would open it up a little bit. But I don't know, man. That's that seems pretty drastic as well uh, well it's definitely thinking outside the box um for sure i, I you know players uh, you know does the coach tell the guys who we put on the list or not that would be funny guys well i guess i can untie my skates now because i'm not going out there but it, it is i i agree with you though like the game like three on three they've managed to make it less boring or sorry less exciting which is like the worst yeah. thing it should be good we, we've got more speed and skill in the game than ever then you get to three on three, and some of them are still awesome. Don't get me wrong. There's end to end, but there's some yeah. that I've watched where nothing happens for two minutes, right? And you're right. Like they yeah. put out there, okay, we got a, a third line guy who's a good skater and he's going to kind of shadow. Well, that's not really what the purpose was. And I do think if you took away the loser point, that might change. Guys say, well, we got to go for it. They'll never do that, of course, because then just just go five on five. But I would like to see something change. I'd probably be in favor of seven minutes to start too, because then there's fewer shootouts. Yeah. Last thing to tag on that. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it, but I agree with you. They will never do it is take away that loser point. Um, Cause then that kind of messes up the, 
parity that we have in this league right now and keeps everybody competitive and everybody gets stays close in these playoff hunts. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I just think that anything's going to get any, – any adjustment that's made, it's almost like you have to revisit this every five years because it will get coached out. Yeah. No matter what you do, it'll get coached out because you're coaching – to not lose as opposed to coaching to win. That's just the name of the game. Awesome. Rupper, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, thanks. You too. There you go. That's uh, Mike Rupp from the NHL Network. Uh, when we return, ooh, I'm excited about this one. We're going to change speeds a little bit. We're going to talk to. Uh, we're going to talk a little wrestling next. And uh, trust me, you're going to want to hear who is coming on. We continue on, Eminem Sports leader sports 1440 live on orders nation uh, youtube and it's time for our big guest of the day brought to you by silent rides charter company state-of-the-art motor coaches and safely take you or your group to their next destination go to silentrides.ca and uh today later on tonight their weekly uh, show dynamite uh, you can watch it live on tsn tonight at uh, 6 p.m Edmonton time. Uh, we are joined from uh, All Elite Wrestling, one of the uh, stars and one of the youngest stars on the uh, on the card. It's uh, it's a pretty amazing story. Uh, excited to have him on the show right now as uh, Nick Wayne uh, joins us. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me today. Hey, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, the, you know, this is probably a little bit different than a normal uh, uh, a pre-wrestling uh, preparation for you, I would think. So that's good. Although I know now wrestling is as much about the athleticism as the ability to uh, to hype up the, the crowd. You're a young guy in, in the wrestling world at 18, but, you know, it's it's in your genes, I guess it's safe to say. Um, has this been the goal ever since you were, like, uh, old enough to get in the ring or what? Very much so, yes. The goal is always to go, I guess you could say, professional or to get on the high level of uh, televised wrestling, which is what AEW is. So to be able to accomplish a goal like this at such a young age is just, it's crazy to me to know that I'm here right now. So, you know, you've got, um, you know, Ric Flair, Adam Copeland, Sting around. Like, those must have been guys you watched as a kid. Like, is it uh, like any athlete when all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, here I am. And here's like, there's Sting. How, how's that for you? Is it, have you gotten over the, uh, the awe factor? Um, there's still a lot of off actors for me. Uh, like you said, I watched a lot of them growing up and there's a lot of guys on the roster actually that I watched growing up. Uh, so to be around them and kind of be in their presence or, uh, like Christian Cage to be under their learning tree. Um, it's just, it's crazy to be here at such a young age and to be kind of in these guys' presence and to talk to them and f being friends with some of them. Um, it's, it, it's truly crazy to me. It's still like a very big off factor. What's the biggest learning curve for you? Like at such a young age, you know, lots of guys, you know, they'll, they'll go wrestling, you go to college and different things just to learn like the, you know, the, the skills. There's, there's a lot of skill involved. There's lots of natural athleticism as well. But for, for you to be in professional wrestling so young, what's been the biggest learning curve? Um, so there was like a big learning curve because before I got to AEW, I was on what was called the independence. Um, so I was on the independence and then switching to AEW and being on like a televised wrestling, uh, just TV wrestling, I guess you could say, yeah. um, was a big learning curve. But I think as like a normal human, um, still being super young and still going to high school with like kids that were my age and being around wrestlers who are 20, 30, 40 years old, you, well, I matured a lot faster than the rest of them. 
Um, and I feel like I kind of started to notice that, especially once I got to high school and people told me, they were like, you know, you're way more like mature than a normal person for your age. Right. And sometimes I was like, really? Um, but I, I started to realize it just like seeing, uh, like flashes of immaturity in people who were 16, 17, 18 at the time when I was also 16, 17, 18. Um, now if I'm not mistaken, you got signed when you were like 16 and a half, but you couldn't officially make your debut till you were 18, correct? So, correct, yeah. So when you're signed, but you, you can't fight, what, what happens in that year and a half? Like, were you training behind the scenes? Kind of take me how, how that process goes. Um, so essentially what I signed when I was 16 was an apprenticeship deal, which okay. is basically I'm locked into AEW uh, from now until 18. And then once I'm 18, uh, the contract officially kicks in and I'm a contracted wrestler for AEW. So from so I started training to be a wrestler when I was nine and I made my first debut on a show, uh, an independent show when I was 12. Uh, so from 12 to 16, I wrestled on the independence and then I got offered the contract when I was 16 and I continued to do the independence uh, from 16 until 18, um, just trying to fill up my schedule as much as possible on top of being a junior and senior in high school. Uh, so I just filled up my schedule as much as possible. Uh, I went international. I went to, I did two Japan tours, I think five or six tours in the UK and I wrestled in France and uh, I've done Canada a bunch of times as well. Yeah. And um, so just trying to do as much independence as possible just to better myself and working out as much as possible. And uh, even though I don't have the best build right now, I'm still 18. I'm still growing, but I work out every day. I eat six times a day. Um, and I've, I've seen pr progress from when I was 16 until now. Um, so um, yeah, just trying to train as hard as possible and to fill up my schedule as much as possible with these independent dates, just so that when I got to AEW, I was the best version of myself and I was wrestling multiple times a week. And it's like, once I got there, it was like, I was fresh. I was ready. Yeah. It was just the, the preparation and trying to wrestle and train as much as possible. Uh, Nick Wayne joins us, of course, star of, uh, AEW wrestling. Uh, he'll be on TSN tonight. Uh, interested now, as I mentioned, wrestling's in your genes. Uh, your grandfather was Ed, uh, Moondog Moretti. And of course, your late father, uh, Buddy Wayne, also a very famous wrestler. So, uh, you know, it's obviously something that's, that's been in your genes for sure. Uh, you mentioned that the age of nine, uh, you got into it and, I'm like, was it obvious? Like when when you watch, you know, you see that. Was there ever any hesitation not to go into wrestling because of uh, that? Like sometimes people want to follow in the family footsteps, and others are like, eh, maybe I want to go somewhere else. Um, I feel like it was easy for me to kind of follow the family footsteps, just because. Um, when I was young, my father had a wrestling school, still has the wrestling school, but unfortunately he's not with us today. So we have different trainers that run the school. Yeah. Um, but when I was young, um, my father having the wrestling school, I would watch these training sessions go on three times a week. I would sit out there next to him. I'd watch these guys wrestle. And when there was not training going on, there was always some type of form of wrestling on a TV or a tablet or a laptop. Um, WWE or another American independent or triple uh, a or CMLL, which is Lucha Libre in Mexico. Um, I was always around some type of wrestling or playing with the action figures. So I was always just amazed uh, by professional wrestling. So I, I wanted to do it. And the family legacy was just like the cherry on top. It's like, all right, like, let's let's go. You know what I mean? You mentioned, uh, I like a joke, how you're like, well, I don't necessarily have the be the best physique right now. Like for the average person you do, but wrestling, like it's like there's a lot of strength involved, right? Like you, you got almost, you know, build up a, a, a little bit of extra weight just to, to handle the wear and tear for sure of it. Um, You also are a heel, though, 
Nick. Um, it's, uh, you know, you got the smile. I see it all. Is it more fun being a heel? <laughs> Me? Ah. So I've always been a babyface my entire career. Yes. From 12, from 12 to 18, I was babyface. Um, so now being healed is definitely like a new transition that I'm still getting used to. But having the excuse to just be an asshole to thousands of people <laughs> every week is kind of <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Well, I would. So because I'm assuming like part of wrestling now is as much about the personality. Obviously, you have to have all the skill and the ability, but you need the persona. And, and the persona is a lot like you look at a guy like The Rock. Like The Rock had the persona. You know, he had the eyebrow. You can go back to Hulk Hogan, lots of different, you know, superstar wrestlers in any era and any faction that they, were, they had kind of that it factor of their personality. And some of the best were the heels. Like people love to hate them, but then there became the fans were like, God, I used to hate this guy, but now I kind of like him, right? Like, how do you, you know, how do you build your character somewhat? How do you look at that evolution of Nick Wayne, the character, as much as Nick Wayne, the wrestler? So I think character aspect, I got presented uh, as Nick Wayne to the AEW audience um, as a babyface. And we put out these video packages and vignettes before I made my debut, um, essentially telling my story about like, me being a young wrestler and then my connection to Darby Allen and then uh, my father passing at such a young age. So it's kind of like a heartfelt story to where maybe they had no idea who I was, but watching this three, five minute vignette, by the end of it, they're like, damn, I want to, I want to know more. I want to know more about this kid. I want to see this kid wrestle. Um, so we, I would eventually wrestle as a baby face for a few months in AEW. And I feel like it gets to a point where if you're, let's say like a young and kind of successful kid and you're a good guy, maybe some people will start to be like, you know, this this kid is like, he's got a lot going for him, you know, maybe too much. And they start to be like, maybe, maybe, maybe he's getting ahead of himself or something like that. And then now I did because now I'm a heel. So now they love to hate me. And this is just the start of kind of the heel era of Nick Wayne. So maybe in a year, two years time, we'll get to what you said. Like, you know, I used to hate this guy, but I'm kind of starting to like him. So I feel like a big part of like a persona and who you are as a wrestler is kind of those dips and dives, like the the people like The Rock and Randy Savage, you know, they were faces at a time, but then they were once to heel and you you love to hate him. But then once he was back to a face, you loved him more than anyone. Uh, coming up this weekend in the old L.A. Forum. God, I love that place for uh, for many sporting events over the years. It's still around. Uh, you're going to be in a, in a three-man tag team match uh, yourself and Christian Cage and Luchoris going up against Darby Allen, Adam Copeland, and Sting. Um, the three-man tag match. Talk about the challenges of that compared to being in an individual match. Um, so I definitely say there's challenges, but there's also uh advantages as well the challenge is is you have more people in the ring um once it starts to break down and it gets all crazy and tags don't matter no more you know you got to watch you got to watch over your shoulder you got to watch your back you never know like there's three people against you they could come sneak up attack you from behind but then the advantage to these matches is rather than a singles match singles match you're in there the whole time from belt to belt you're fighting but in a six-man tag maybe you have times where you I don't want to say resting, but yeah, the attention yeah. is not on you. Sure. So maybe I, I get beat and then there's attention somewhere else. And now I have a minute to, whoo, you know, kind of chill, relax for a second. And that's kind of the advantages. But then the disadvantage is you have two more people in this match to come run up on you when you're not expecting it. 
What is the toughest move to execute for you in the ring? Mm. <sighs> so th- this is a, a, a funny, a kind of funny story. So I'm very, uh, I would say like I'm on the more athletic or athleticism size yep. of a uh, move set for professional wrestling. Um, and the school I trained at, uh, which is my father's school, the roof was very, very low. Like there was, there was no standing on the top rope and you're, you're lucky if you could stand on the middle rope, that's how low these ceilings were. So me being athletic and maybe like trying to dive out of the ring or diving over the top rope, I never did that in training. But then one day when I would do shows in independence, one day I'd be like, you know, I'm gonna do a moonsault off the top rope to the outside. I've never done it, but I'm gonna just do it. And I would just do it. And I'd be like, all right, I can do it. I checked that one off the list. Um, so when it comes to, like athleticism and stuff, um, I don't want to say it comes easy because there's like a very big risk factor. You know, you're jumping up 12, 15 feet in the air and crashing yep. down to the floor onto other bodies. Um, I've rolled many ankles. I've sprained, broken my fingers, broken my toes um, from doing things like that. Um, but when it comes to difficult, um, most difficult to pull off. I mean, top rope moves are very like high risk. They call it the high ring, the high risk district because it's, it's, it's a high risk. Um, but because like we said earlier, maybe I don't have the size as everyone else. If I'm wrestling someone twice my weight, they're not going off the ground most likely. Right. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, if I try to lift these guys, maybe it's not possible. So I guess you could say maybe more lifting moves on guys that are three times my weight is almost not possible. Maybe two times is I could, I could get it done. But once you get into like the 300 pounders, <laughs> I'll beat. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Nick, uh, it's only been a month since, uh, since your mom, uh, uh, would, since you disowned your parents and declared that Cage is now your new father figure, uh, uh is there ever going to be any kissing and making up? How's that going for you? Um, well, what we've shown on TV, there's no making up anytime soon. Um, I do like, I'm still 18, so I do still live with my mom, but, um, I'm, I'm usually gone most of the time, you know, traveling on the road or when I am at home, I'm, at the gym or training somewhere. So I, I see my mom on uh, when I'm home, uh, but there's still kind of that like, like, you know, when you have an argument with someone and then you guys like talk after and you try to like, not try to make it better, but you talk as if nothing happened and you can feel that kind of like wall between you guys or that boulder between you guys. Like yeah. you feel the awkwardness in the air. It feels like that. How's your new father figure? What have you learned? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Uh, being under his learning tree as a professional wrestler and a human uh, is very good because he's been in this business for decades and he's done some of the greatest things that there is to do uh, in this business. So being under a learning tree like his of someone that's so successful, all you can do is just sit and have ears open and listen to him. So I learn things from Christian Cage on a weekly basis, honestly, every time I'm around him. Well, Nick, uh, I, I think this interview right now is going to get me in the real cool books for my son. He's really gotten into wrestling lately. And uh, then when I, when I go home and tell him that I had Nick Wayne on my show, he'll be pretty fired up. Uh, I know uh, you, you, the Edmonton show uh, earlier this year was a week before you were able to make your debut. So next time you come back to Edmonton, we'll have to get you in studio. Uh, continued success. We'll be watching. And uh, best of luck tonight. And, of course, uh, coming up in the three-man tag this weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. That is uh, Nick Wayne, uh, AEW wrestler. 18 years of age. You kidding me? It's unreal. 
I love it. Uh, having a little bit of fun with the character. Obviously, you got to go into uh, to character a little bit. Um, you know what? Honestly, for me, I, I love Stampede Wrestling. Growing up as a kid, I loved it. And uh, my son's now at that age where, you know, he's watching wrestling a little bit. My wife hates wrestling. So I'll be honest, I kind of <laughs> probably push him <laughs> to watch it a little bit more just because I know it irritates her. But uh, uh, great stuff uh, to, to watch. It'll be on TSN tonight. And you know what? It's that guilty pleasure. That uh, many of you have. I know many of you are, are wrestling fans or were a wrestling fan at some point. And, and then, you know, when, when your kids now for me, like I haven't watched wrestling in a long time, but my, my son, uh, does enjoy it. Him and I, of course, uh, uh, wrestle quite a bit. It's, it's, I love it. It's, it's super fun. And, uh, to get young, young Wayne on the show is, uh, is, is pretty cool. So, uh, kudos to, uh, Bradley to, uh, setting that up. And, you know what? I, I actually like the fact that there's, you know, there's, a little bit more competition right now for uh, for those who who want to watch and uh, like anything you know what uh, if you want to make it and I know there's some people I don't like wrestling it's script well yeah we all know it's scripted it's entertainment I don't know what the outcome is going to be that's why I watch I don't care if they know but I don't know what it is just like in the order game tonight do you know what the outcome is going to be you think you know but you don't know 100 percent can make it fun and I I, I love his answer about being a heel. Because I think most of us, for a short... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Period of time, like, it would be awesome to be the heel. Quick break. We'll come back. We've got five questions more. It's the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, live on Owners Nation YouTube. And before we go, though, help your neighbor right now. Very easy. We just had wrestling on, so the code word today, wrestling. Text wrestling and your first name to 833-401-1440. You could uh, end up winning the, uh, well, if you qualify today, you get the Sports 1440 hat. You then go into the draw on Monday. We're going to do the draw. And the winner is going to win uh, themselves tickets to the order game on the 8th of December. They're also going to win the uh, uh, thermostat of the Echo Smart uh, installed courtesy of uh, Legacy Heating and Cooling. And most importantly, you're going to win the opportunity to gift a brand new high-efficiency furnace. Installation included all the permits, five-year warranty, 10-year uh, or five-year parts, 10-year labor warranty. You also have the uh, lifetime heat exchanger warranty. It's an amazing package courtesy of uh, Legacy Heating and uh, cooling, so it's that simple. Text in wrestling and your first name. And then think about who in your circle could you gift a brand new high efficiency? Because it's not for you. 
you're helping someone else. It's like you get to be Santa Claus a month early. It's amazing. 453, welcome back. Jason Greger Show, Sports 1440, Live and Orders Nation YouTube. And uh, congratulations, Peter. He is our qualifier today in Help Your Neighbor. How are you, my man? I'm doing great, thanks. Hey, you've got the Sports 1440 hat. You're in the draw, and if you win, you will get the uh, Google Nest or Echobee Smart Thermostat installed in your home. Uh, you also get uh, sweet seats over the orders attack twice in the lower bowl uh, on Friday, December 8th. And then most importantly, though, you are then going to have a choice. You are going to be able to gift someone in your circle that doesn't live with you, that is 18 years old, they own their own home, and they reside within 100 kilometers of Edmonton. A brand new Goodman high-efficiency furnace comes with the permit, the inspection fees. They'll take away your old, their old furnace, five-year labor, 10-year parts, uh, all of that. Do you have anyone, Peter, in your circle that you know who needs a furnace? Well, there's there's my mother-in-law, 51, um, my sister-in-law who just got married, they might need a new furnace, so it's it's probably going to stay inside the family. But if none of them need it, then I'm going to find somebody at work that needs one, and I'll uh, I'll gift it to them. Yeah, oh for sure, I love it. Awesome, appreciate so, it, Matt. Thanks. We'll uh, we'll stay stay on um, on the line. Connor will get all your info, and uh, we'll do the draw on Monday. So uh, be paying attention. Might be your name. Sounds good, and glad to hear you guys are back on the radio. Awesome, thank you very much. So there you go, pretty easy. Now we have. Two more chances tomorrow and Friday, and then we will uh, do the draw on Monday, and someone's going to win this massive prize courtesy of Legacy Heating and Cooling. Pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Speaking of awesome, let's get to uh, our daily five questions brought to you by The Brick. And their uh, Brick's holiday pricing, they will guarantee they're committed to saving you more. You're getting the lowest prices. You find a lower price before the end of the year, they will refund you the difference at the brick and the brick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger show. All right, Greger, question number one. Oilers take on the Seattle Kraken once again tonight. 6.30 puck drop, give or take. Uh, what is the biggest key to victory? And give me a prediction as well. Honestly, I think the biggest key tonight, uh, looking at both of these teams, they've both been terrible in the second and third period. So good start for the Oilers, which they've actually, that's the one area of their game that's really been fairly consistent. They've had good starts. Like, I know they gave up a goal in the first 50 seconds last game, but look at the first period. They're outscoring teams. They're getting crushed in the rest of the periods. Even after outscoring the Islanders 3 nothing, they're still minus 7 in the third period. They're minus 10 going into that game. So, honestly, if you look at Seattle, like they've been outscored 24-9 to in the third period. They're okay in the first, and then it just goes downhill. So, for the orders, good start. Yeah, I, I think try to eliminate the or l- lower down the, uh, the high-danger opportunities. I thought they've done a good job the last couple games. They can keep that up. I like the, the big-name players to, to continue the hot streak from what we saw on a Monday against the Islanders. I'm going to say 4-1 win. Same score, three games in a row. Uh, question number two, Gregor. Uh, when you look at Pickard and the opportunity to get him a start, obviously we know uh, when they get on this road trip, there's going to be some tough matchups. Is there a game you think would be a good opportunity for him to get out there and give Stuart Skinner the night off? Well, they're going to have to pick one for sure. Um, you know, Florida and Carolina, probably the two that you wouldn't. Tampa Bay is actually the lowest of the four teams in the standings. I'm not sure that's the easiest game, though. Um, geez. Like, if Skinner plays well again tonight, 
then I'm I I'm not gonna give him the Saturday starts at Pickard because of two days off between. So I'll go with Skinner again there. You know what? I'm gonna go with Florida because I think Florida. You know they were in the Stanley Cup final last year. They're playing very well. Sometimes you got to put your goalie in uh, a that you hope your team's ready, but b that maybe that sparks them a little bit. So I'll say Florida. Yeah, I like that one. Obviously, if the road and the travel, I think that's the one I had circled as well. Carolina could be a tough team. Uh, the Caps would be three straight games more for Skinner. So I think the Panthers would be a good one to drop him in there as well. Uh, question number three for you. This happened yesterday. The PWHL released the jerseys for the six teams in the league, and they're all kind of the same uniform. Different colors, of course, but it's the team uh, with the city written diagonal across. Think of the Rangers or the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins had one. Do you think that it's a missed opportunity to give the team maybe a logo, a team name, an identity to start off, or am I just making a big deal out of nothing? Well, it's probably not best-case scenario, but also I've been told this is a one-year thing, right? Uh, they, this, they will have better jerseys and everything else. So, you know what? You can argue it's maybe a marketing thing because the fans of the league, you know, uh, there's going to be lots of young girls across the country that are like, oh, my, I want one. Automatically, they don't care. So, because it's a big deal, right? This is a real big deal. So, um, I, I don't think it's that massive uh, of a missed opportunity. You know, it's come together very quickly. Startup leagues are difficult, right? Uh, so, could they have done it better? Sure. I'm now. I'm maybe not the best guy to ask. I don't really care. I actually kind of like the, uh, the the name diagonally on the jerseys. I've loved Team Pittsburgh has one in the NHL. We've seen the Rangers. You mentioned. I like ones that do it. So, I don't mind it. Um, it gives them a little bit more time. And so, you know what, instead of rushing and having it average this way, it's like, okay, we went with something that's pretty clean. It's pretty easy. It's noticeable, but we know this is not long-term. They're going to have all new ones next year. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind it. I think, you know, in terms of if you want to get some memorabilia out there, it'd be cool to have some, some hats with the logos. I'm trying to think of startup leagues that had done that sort of thing. Uh, the CEBL, like the Stingers gear looked great. And I thought that was a good way to, to get it out in there. And, you know, you can sell that sort of things. But I'm with you. The diagonal look is pretty clean. The Steelers did a great one. The Rangers. Uh, I think Colorado did one as well a couple of years ago. Like I think it is a good look, uh, but I hope next year they get some logos and give these teams a little more character. Question number four. Uh, right now at Play Alberta, Grey Cup odds have the Alouettes as eight and a half point underdogs. Uh, what do you think about that spread right now, and would you be uh, sprinkling a little cash on that? I think that's probably fair when you consider the fact that this is the fourth consecutive trip for Winnipeg. I, and we just had Randy Spencer and talking about the benefit of experience and, uh, Winnipeg's being the best team all season long, I would argue. Uh, Montreal, hey, give them credit. They, they did have the big upset. And if you remember to 1989 when the then Eskimos got upset after a 16-2 season, who went on to win? The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So uh, I'm sure Montreal is going to play that. But I, I think that's a pretty fair line. Do I think the game will be closer, right? Like, I think the Bombers are winning, but I could see the Owls keeping it closer than that. See, I'm, I'm torn. I think it's either going to, like, I don't think there's a middle ground. I think it's either close, like, three points cons, or it's a blowout. So, yeah, I don't really, like, the spread to me could then be ten and a half. Like, I think it'll be a blowout if if it's, so I'm still, I think I'd still take uh, the Bombers minus eight and a half. But it's a good line because it makes you think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you'd hope that ideally a championship game in any league would be a little bit closer, but the the Bombers are such a solid team. Uh, I think right now I, I might look at, you know, 
saying that the Alouettes find a way to cover. Just hope they can find a way to get it done. But uh, I don't know if I'd be overly confident in it happening. Uh, Gregor, question number five for you. Uh, obviously, Formula One heading to Las Vegas. They've been putting in a lot of work the last couple of months to get the track ready. And visually, it looks awesome. It's going to be a night race. So you know we're going to get some cool shots. I'll ask you this. If you could go to F1 or any F1 event, money not being an issue, which would you pick? Hmm. Uh, well, I've already been to one, and I, I quite enjoy it. Um, but I, I would probably, I'd probably go to the, you know, um, the. Let's see, it depends because the the place I'd want to go right is the, is the city park right in in Milan with the uh, De Monza, but the the race itself is boring. But the experience, I think, so I'm going for the experience. So I'd probably go there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of these here. There, there's some beautiful Monaco. ones. That was where I was going to go, Monaco. Yeah. Like, it looks like right through the city, you're going kind of by the harbor as well. People are so close, too. Yeah, I'm going Monaco for sure. Yeah, it's hard not to, to like that one. So I think Vegas is going to be really cool, though. Yeah, the night race. Um, interesting start time, 10 p.m. on Saturday night for all of you diehard race fans. That's 11 o'clock Edmonton time. So that's when it starts. I'll be curious to see, like, it probably look cool. But, yeah, it's uh, listening to people who who know way more about F1 than me. And every person, when I went to, to my first F1, they said, never go to the first race in the, in the city. It's not as organized as you would like it to be. From And that's from a f- veteran fan perspective. So if you're going to Vegas, I hope you have a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun there, but there might be a few like these lineups or stuff, or maybe the, you know, if you're in the VIP section, that's not there. Or certain um, stands aren't set up great. That's what they say. You never want to go to your first F1 race in a city for the first time. So we'll see if it plays out. Uh, when we come back, Mark Spector will join us. Uh, we're also going to go uh, back inside the... Uh, the uh, orders locker room. Uh, we got the lineup and much, much more on a busy Wednesday edition of the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Here's the Connor Halley Sports 1440 update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Jesus, you look at the weather. It's coming. Oh, my goodness. Hopefully not a lot, but it's coming. The white stuff and snow. So avoid the stress of snow. Get all the uh, great snow removal equipment and all the accessories you need to relieve your stress. EdmontonKubota.com.